Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. And we are here not to talk about Babylon 5. We are here to talk about Star Trek Picard and specifically talk with Mr. Stephen Barton, who is the composer of Star Trek Picard Season 3. So I'm Scott, and with me is... Blake. Emily. And Stephen. So Stephen, thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. I, I cold called you on Twitter and you actually answered, which is always nice. It's just been fun, like actually chatting with people about it. Cause it's like, you know, it's like one of those ones where, you know, Terry's, Terry's very present on Twitter and so am I. And like, we, you know, I think we actually just, you know, I think people are coming to the novelty of like, actually, we, you know, we, 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 we're both fans of the show and we're both, you know, even before I mean, you know, next gen and prior, um, and Terry much more more so even than I, because I mean Terry's just a walking encyclopedia of it. So yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's great and great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's probably been crazy just wait because you you all did this almost a year ago, and I know you probably were doing a little yeah. later than that, but I mean it's been probably crazy waiting to be able to talk about it. Oh, actually, it's been agony. I mean, it's been agony for us. I mean, it's been agony for a couple of the cast, you know, I mean, with Todd, who, you know, wasn't announced for the longest time. Oh, yeah. And, and is having to sit on this thing that he, I mean, he finished, I mean, gosh, I, I, was, I saw him on set in, in, you know, sort of beginning of February, March of last year. And, the, you know, they were shooting through, you know, I think through April in the end. Um, but, uh, but that's an awfully long time to sit on it. And that's, I mean, it's really unusual as well. I mean, particularly for me coming from the, you know, a lot of the live service video game world where, where we make stuff and two weeks later it's out. So that has, it's a different equation, but uh, you know, it's fun. I mean, it's just, you just have to have to check yourself. And yeah. So you mentioned your, your background with video games. I know you've also done movie and TV. So tell us about you. How did you get into the composing world and, How'd you find your way to now being in what I would argue is one of the best pieces of Star Trek uh, ever? Um, well, I started out, I mean, I, I was, I went to music school as a, as a kid. I actually was a singer when I was a child, um, funny enough, and um, professionally, and uh, I sort of ended up uh, after that, you know, kind of, uh, when I was about 13, I went, I went to music school in England, and um, I never ended up going to university or college or anything. Um, I, I, uh, a mutual friend introduced me to um, a very well-known composer, Perry Gregson Williams, who'd scored things like Shrek, the Shrek movies, the Narnium films. Kingdom of Heaven, you know, worked a lot with Ridley and Tony Scott. And, um, and, you know, he was on a movie, a DreamWorks movie, and literally was like, oh, would you like to come out for three weeks to LA? And like, basically, you know, I need help finishing this thing off. And, um, you know, basically, could you, I've got like pages of fixes and pages of revisions, lots of timing revisions and stuff like that, you know, where they've completely recut the picture and the music is fine, but it just doesn't fit anymore. Um, he was like, "Did you want to just come to my studio and live for three weeks and sit, you know, work at night in, the, in my studio and like basically work on these fixes?" And I was like, "You know, I was like, I was eighteen, so I was like, sure, um, this is like the most awesome thing ever." Um, I lived in the Santa Monica Youth Hostel pretty much at the time, and uh, you know, it was and it was great, you know. So I, I sort of fell backwards into something that I'd always wanted to do and film, you know, film and TV um were, were certainly on my radar and I was a massive game I played games and sort of didn't even though I played a lot of games didn't really have a concept of the fact that you could make a living you know writing music for video games and that and it was sort of actually around 
you know, 2000. It was started right at the point where the people were starting to figure out that game scores could go a long way beyond. I mean, obviously, you know, in the 90s, game scores, you know, moved away from just bleeps and bloops and eight bit stuff to, to actually having, you know, proper music kind of thing. Uh, or, well, you know, it's proper music, but, but, but more sort of, you know, higher production value music. Um, so, so yeah, I just sort of fell into it at the right time and, uh, and kind of ended up, you know, I worked with Harry for seven, eight years um, on, you know, probably like close on 30, 40 films um, and just learned everything from that. Um, and then uh, about 2000 days, I forged out on my own um, and uh, I'm still here. So, <laughs> so far, so good. So one question also is, so coming into this with Star Trek Picard, obviously there's quite a bit of franchise history and a big part of that has been the music. Yeah. And listening to the score this season, it's it's definitely your own, but you've also got these influences from Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner. What was it like working with you know those pieces and integrating some of those in uh, as you work, but also having that legacy behind this as well? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's pretty much, I mean, the, the interesting thing about it is that I, th I think when they did sort of season one and season two of Picard, particularly season one, I think there was obviously a desire to say like, let's do something completely new. Let's not necessarily, you know, occasionally let's use these prior things, but really look at, let's look at a new, a new idea. Um, and that, you know, which is a completely valid way of going about it, I think. I and mean, you know, absolutely. That's, 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 that's what it's all about, um, especially when you're working on the first season of a show, you know, you want to establish a unique identity. Um, but then, you know, I mean, what it wasn't really, and, you know, Patrick has been really clear about this, but when they made season one, they really weren't trying to make season eight of Next Gen. I mean, that was what, you know, I think that was sort of the only reason Patrick, I think, came back to it, really, because I think they, they sort of, they kind of felt that they, they'd, they'd done that and it was done and in the past and, and that was it. Um, and, you know, I don't think it was something that he kind of thought was really going to ever happen. Um, and so, you know, when we came to season three, uh, you know, Terry and I had chatted a lot about, you know, when we were doing 12 Monkeys, um, because it was sort of like a hovering presence of this, this idea that this could be a thing. And, you know, um, and obviously, you know, he comes from a very long pedigree of having worked on on Voyager and worked on Enterprise um, and, you know, running, you know, he's really worked his way up the ranks. I mean, a sort of kind of true, true Starfleet fashion. I mean, he started out as the, the lowest production runner of the PA on the set, you know, the, and, and has worked and literally, you know, has, 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 you know, done his time there. And so I think one of the things we talked about for season three was he, he, he he looked back at you know he was saying okay well look if this is this is really an end to this 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 thirty plus year um, thing and and thirty if you sort of view the whole picture but sort of he was like what 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 do all of these bits of material mean so a really interesting example for me is that you know obviously on uh, the first on on motion Star Trek motion picture you have have what we now. You know what to me really was always the sort of the next generation theme because I you know I I was probably five or six when I think next gen premiered uh, and um, I'm vividly remembering it as the sort of the first proper show that I got to watch that you know it wasn't like a kids show it wasn't like a show that was just for you know remembering kids and adults sort of sitting in the rolling their eyes in the background but was the show that everybody watched. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I have vivid memories of, you know, things like, you know, summer of 90, where it was like the best of both worlds. And, you know, the, it was June. And then the, the next episode didn't play till September. And they're spending the whole summer being like, well, how the 
how the hell are they getting out of that? Uh, you know, with him being assimilated, that you know, it was like that was the talk of the summer for that year. So, so for me, it was like that. There's all of these pieces together, and then sort of, you know, kind of looking back at uh, um, because I'd seen the films, and I remember I saw First Contact in the theaters. Um, I'm trying to think which other ones. I think I'm pretty sure I saw Insurrection in the theaters. Um, I don't think I saw Nemesis for some reason. I don't remember seeing Nemesis necessarily, but um, not but, many uh, people did see Nemesis. In the yeah, well, that's the thing, and you know, I think one of the things we chatted about was just this, 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 this. This, this was always this sort of unended thing. It was this thing that never quite these characters never quite got the send off. And obviously, when Picard season one and two came around, most of the next gen cast were in it or were in it for fleeting moments, and so. When he Terry was sort of you know pitching you know showing these scripts and showing this idea and the story arc and saying well here's what I'm going to do, um, it became very clear that we would want to go back and really say okay well let's not just look at you know the 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 the, the simple you know the Alexander Courage theme and the Jerry Goldsmith theme but let's look at the whole picture, let's look at everything from how Ron Jones was scoring season three of Next Gen, let's uh, compare it to some of the stuff in season one where they were still finding their legs, but there's really interesting things in there. You know, there's moments where it sort of doesn't, it hasn't quite clicked yet as a thing, you know, it's clear that they're still figuring it out. And then you, as you get through um, Next Gen, through the films, just seeing the way that worked, um, and then looking back before it as well and saying, okay, well, what makes Wrath of Khan work so well? What makes Search for Spark work so well as films? And the ingredients and saying, well, and not, and not, you know, kind of going into them for just pure sort of let's just drop things in, but saying, what do these individual themes mean? And so there's a, the very first thing you hear in the first episode is a thing from Star Trek V but that very much became a part of Next Gen, but it's a theme, I think it's a, the original cue it's in is called A Busy Man. So we always called it the Busy Man theme, but for us, that's sort of become, you know, for want of a better word, it's one of the sort of the, the sort of nostalgia for, for space and for space flight. Um, and similarly, the first contact theme played a huge part of sort of saying, why does this work? Um, and why does this feel so, so new for the film that it was in? Because obviously it's, you know, it started its first context is the first film that's been. Why does it feel so new? But then how, how does that, that addition to, to, to it feel so, so special? And you know, the, the thing that's really interesting, I think, overall with Star Trek is like when someone comes in and says like, hey, would you like, it's like someone saying like, would you like to add 10 foot to the top of the Eiffel Tower? You're sort of at the end of the day, you're kind of like, no. <laughs> because um, I don't want to fuck it up. Um, but but you know, I think there's this 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 definite sense of uh, you know, like going back and looking what came before and, and looking why they did things and not just simply like what it is and hit a hit button and play the theme, but what does it mean and what's what's its greater sort of motivation behind it. Well, Stephen, based on what we've been seeing online and what we've been watching ourselves, you didn't fuck it up. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> We, we keep checking. It's like, you know, we, you know, and funny enough, I mean, actually for the last few months, one of the things uh, I've gone back to open up episodes and gone like, is it good? Like, because there was this weird sense and I've had it only on a few, few projects over the years. Um, bizarrely enough, I mean, back in the year, back in the day we did, um, I did Team America with Harry and it was like that movie, we saw it for, and we only worked on that for like 10 days because it was a crazy fast rescore of someone, someone else's score that wasn't working. Um, but you just sat and watched the movie and just you're just like, this works, this is awesome, there's nothing, you know, this is, and so getting the same feelings on this, but you always end up checking yourself, and I mean, I know Terry's been, like, gnawing through his fingernails, you know, like, for the past 
five months, you know, just just because you don't know. Um, and and we love it and we're so close to it. It's very difficult to just see it neutrally anymore. But yeah, I'm glad glad people are liking it. And I, I loved having that first contact theme in there too, because that, that's personally one of my favorites. And when that started, I loved having that in there. So, yeah, I mean, actually, my one thing on set was the first thing I met with because I never really, I never really met Frakes before. The first time I decided, I, I, you know, we were chatting, and I was like, I was like, I hope you don't mind, but I have to ask you a whole bunch of questions about. I have to go into complete fanboy mode and say like, what was working with Jerry like? How, why? How was working with Jerry like? What did you do? And he was like, oh, we went over to his house, and you know, you know, he's got a studio above his garage, and you know, we'd go in, and his, you know, he had a, you know, a couple of assistants there, and they would set it all up. But you know, just hearing the process of how that came together because it's so. I mean, so the antithesis of, you know, today is like, you know, we create mock-ups and it's all, you know, quick times flying everywhere and, you know, people, different reviews going and happening. And it's, you know, just going back to the old sort of playback of, you know, and, you know, Fritz was saying, oh, the first time he heard it, you know, and he played it to him on the piano and he said, I didn't really know what to think. I mean, he was like, it's a lovely tune, but, you know, it's not a picture. How am I, how am I going to judge this? Um, so, I mean, I think just being able to sit with him and chat with him about like what's, you know, what what that to me which is just an i such an iconic tune i mean especially that one main theme was one of the most beautiful tunes that i think he ever wrote and one of the most sort of you know it's it, one of the most sort of and in, in, um, for want of a better word sort of obvious tunes in the sense of like it starts and everything just seems to flow obviously from it it's just it's just meant to be and it's this just gorgeous piece of writing and so so yeah, I mean, really, just to be able to go over that, and I think I think you know, talking about what they were doing there as well, because I mean, one of the other big things was, you know, he was chatting about about when Jerry wrote the the Next Generation theme when he wasn't there, but it was like the the genesis of the, of that that theme that when it was in motion picture was the you know they they keep they the, he'd written a whole bunch of music and the you know the producers telling him well we need like a massive theme and you know we don't have it yet and then he you know literally went away over a weekend and basically the following Monday that was what he came up with I mean obviously it was a good weekend for him I think but uh, but but. Uh, you know, just hearing how those things originated and what they were meant to be and what they were meant to talk about um, and sort of trying to say, okay, with this, for example, you know, Terry and I chatted very early on about there needing to be a theme for the Titan um, in the same way that that theme was always meant, that original, you know, the motion picture theme was always meant to be the Enterprise and its crew. That's what it's meant to represent. Obviously, now it's taken on a much wider significance. Um, but uh, yeah, just figuring out what what that originally meant and what 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 way we would go at that where it was sort of saying let's take the same approach obviously new music but same approach okay i have a question um you had mentioned that you were a fan of star trek and you started watching it with tng and you watched it growing up do you think that helped you in creating the score for picard season three since you had grown up with it and could really get the feel of it with that history yeah Definitely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think part in, in a couple of ways. I mean, one one big way was the 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 just I just remember the sound of the way that main title sounded and the sort of you know then even even down to sort of like there's there's a Korg D fifty synth sound at the beginning that's very specific. The way they did the the Alexander Courage before you know the moments before the these are the Voyagers theme, uh, and and the sound of that. I mean, that synth you know came out in 1987 i mean it was literally the sort of the new the new hot synth and so they obviously pulled it out but but it, it sounded so 
different. And so, you know, there's there's just a sonic sort of characteristic to that 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 immediately captures captures so much about what what that was about um, and everything there down to the font and the way you know the flybys in the main title and that yeah it, it was so so sort of iconic um, and so you know I think left a huge impression um, I think then also the way the way they handled certain things and it's funny because we went back and I went back and looked at for example you know mm. you look at um, you look at the best of both worlds, I think is a really good example, actually, the way they play moment. I mean, obviously, the famous one is the end of that first part of that episode, you know, where it leads up to him saying fire, you know, with Riker, you know, firing on, on Lacutus. And that, that's that's obviously a huge cliffhanger moment. But if you look at the way the music has scored up to it, it, it it's it, it's it sort of stays out of the way and then suddenly comes in really overtly and like, boom, 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 you know, but what's crazy about it is you separate it off it's on its own and you're sort of like, wow, you're like, wow, this is this is going for the jugular, but you watch it in the episode and it's not that you don't notice it, but it just blends seamlessly. And it's that really interesting thing of how you can actually be really really musical and actually play big big sections big musical moves and not end up with and and it not feel over the top if you're making the right moves and i think that's you know what's interesting about tv scoring today is that we often try to be very ambient and be very against and very sit back and underplay and underplay and underplay and underplay and that's a perfectly valid approach um but what's interesting about this one was how many times we would like screw that let's just go just go for it and you know terry's big word his overriding note to me in this this season was commit he's like he's like just every scene you get to it commit to what you're doing so you know if it's if it's a big cliffhanger moment like at the end of episode two or you know whether they're flying into the nebula you know yeah it, it goes absolutely for the jugular and he's like don't hold back don't you know and the only thing i ever i ever do wrong for terry and where he makes me fix things is is if i half go there and i'm sort of politely going towards and he's like no 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 no, no. you gotta you gotta go the whole way you gotta go full on because if you commit but you commit honestly to it i think it, it works so so yeah that was that was sort of the overriding idea of it and that comes from next gen really because i think that that's the sort of one of the shows that really exemplifies that really does except especially in the later seasons so yeah when you talk about committing to this um i think one of the things that you and terry had to do is kind of hold our hands because i know there's a lot of fans of season one and season two out there um i i'm not a huge fan of them i don't hate them but as I, I, when we got the screeners and I sent it over to Blake first, I was like, the first second tells you you're okay yeah. and in the 25th century. And then you start playing the theme. But then I will tell you, being the fanboy that I am with the Sovereign class right here, is when it, go, when it went the, on the first episode, I was already in. I was like, okay, they've, they've got it. But then your uh, rendition of First Contact plays over the credits. And... I teared up, man. I was like, okay, <laughs> these guys know what they're doing. And there's so much little bits of like that. You mentioned entering the nebula. You pulled out the blaster beam, my friend. Yeah. And it's the and it's the same guy as well, Craig Huxley. You know, and funny enough, I mean, in the weirdest of small worlds, his daughter, um, Justine uh, Huxley, is one of the voices in one of the video games that's called in Apex Legends. She's the voice of um, of Watson in, in Apex, and so it was this incredibly 
reaction of like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, I actually, like, no, I know your dad. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so we got Craig in and it was, you know, and it, the, the, it, it was one of those things where we knew, I mean, the interesting thing with the beam is the, the beam had a sort of, had one sort of, I would say, unintended connotation in this season, which is it, the beam had a lot of Romulan connections. Uh, originally, or sort of a couple of times where they were woven it in. So that was definitely one of the things where we were a bit like, oh, hang on, is the people are going to think there's a massive like Romulan thing or the Shrike's a Romulan ship? And um, I think one or two people have actually sort of gone, oh, maybe it's Shrike's Romulan. And I'm like, no, 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 actually, that was, but it was, the, I think the interesting thing was, you know, with the beam is, is that it's, it, it's something that it's so specific and was so well used in that one one moment that I mean Craig has talked about I mean he's used it on a bunch of other shows but it, it people immediately connect it straight back to to to, to motion picture and, and to, to to Jerry's scores and you know he's worked on a ton of things since but but um so I mean one of the things we did was we we, we I I heavily encouraged him to sort of find sort of like you know other things to hit it with basically I mean that's what it boils down to because I mean that's what the most interesting thing you can do with the beam is hit it um but it's hitting it with interest or hit you know laying metal pipes across it and hitting those um and doing lots of sort of slidey kind of unusual things and so definitely you know there's a lot of moments in with the shrike particularly you know when we cut back to the shrike there's moments where we've used it as a way of sort of being like right bang here we go into the next sequence um and i've you know played with a lot of his things and like reversing them they're sort of like sort of he'll hit something i can make or reverse it and turn it into a like you know but so it's so it doesn't quite set me it's got beam-esque qualities to it but you can't quite place it but um but yeah, I mean, that was just a blast. And, you know, and hearing hearing his stories of the original sessions and, you know, that's something the guy, and the guy, you know, he was in, he was in um, the original series. He was an actor as a child. I mean, it's the craziest story. Um, so, so yeah, it was fun. Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned it's associated with Romulans. We're about the same age. So for me, as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, that's the V'ger score right there. Every yep. time you saw V'ger, boom. So I was just like, that's, that's just cool. That's great that you yeah. guys pulled that out. So we we kind of talked about this offline a little bit to what you can tell us, because, you know, Blake, Emily and I have seen through episode six, thankfully, although there's a cliffhanger in episode six, it really annoys me. I have to wait. Another yeah, month. it's a heck of a cliffhanger. Oh, <laughs> so to that point, Stephen, um, what you can tell us, what are some of the uh, other cool things that you were able to kind of bring in and play with that may have had Star Trek history or maybe just stuff that you have used before in your other uh compositions that just you you enjoy using um there's a few i mean one of the big ones was i mean i, I you know obviously there's a scene in six which we're not there yet but you, i mean you've seen it so you know what i'll be talking about i mean there's one sequence where we managed to get i think seven star originals themes in the space of 90 seconds uh, and trying to weave them into a thing that's coherent into one sequence and it, it's uh you know, I mean, that that scene to me is, you know, and you know, you know, we're seeing them talking about when, it. When we get to that up. scene, a lot of people's heads are going to explode. And I'm it, just going to leave it at that. There's so much in that scene. Yeah. And but what I think what's really nice about that scene is, is that it goes through that moment, but it's not the, the most heart sort of special moment of that. It's sort of, you know, fairly heartbreaking. I mean, and I think the, I think the performance of this season for me is Jerry Ryan. Um, I mean, they're all fantastic, but she just has so many scenes and that particular one is like just it just works so well in that sense of like you know um and and so much of what we 
what we want out of out of out of Star Trek for me is is embodied in it all of that and 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 even from her first episode I mean the first first thing and when she's on you know when we see her as you know I mean obviously there's some complexity to it because you know she's not particularly happy working for sure but um but there's this there's this wonderful thing and I was a big Voyager fan so like seeing her in the first episode as 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 you know with three pips and they I'm like that's that's really nice um and you know, and I think so. All of those, those kinds of those kinds of moments are are, are, ter are terrific. Um, I think there's also, you know, I think Wolf was a big one for us actually, and and really starting to say, okay, well, let's go back. And funny enough, we we, we were sit Terry and I were sitting uh, in in Santa Clarita Studios, and I think he was filming the last episode and was on a break, and was and so I actually set up a a little mobile studio over there and was writing on the early episodes whilst he was finishing filming. And so he could, I was literally in the office next door to him and he said he could come and listen to music and then go set and come back. And uh, he, uh, there was, he, he got a tweet in the middle of it. And he's like, someone said like, oh, it's a hot take. I think that the, the Horner's gold, um, Horner's um, Klingon theme is more interesting than, um, than the Goldsmith one. And we sort of sat there and, and he's like, oh, that's an interesting take on it. And we sort of sat there and debated it. And then we were like, wait a minute, we can use both. We can use them. Um, is there a way to weave this in? And so, for example, in the in the in the fight sequence before Wolf is released, all of that is based on the Horner theme. It's quite subtle, but it's based on that. And so, to anyone who knows that theme like really well, which you know, it's not not vast numbers of people, but but people might spot it. You might have sort of had a bit of an inkling of like, oh, I think I know what's coming here. Um, and being able to use those kinds of things. Uh, um, but I think also then digging through things like, you know, the the Leonard Rosenman scores, um, the uh, the Cliff Eidelman scores. Um, and, I you know, I was very grateful. I got a lot of the um, the PDF uh, sort of digitized versions of the pen and paper scores to look through of the, of the original stuff. So so you could sort of pick apart and see how they were working, how it's put together, basically. Um, and so looking at that and saying, OK, well, well, we're not trying to just merely copy it, but what 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 about the the sort of motivation for how this is put together? Could we use um, and sort of take maybe new material, but put it into that vein? And but you know, leaving space dock at the very beginning is very much in that vein of like it's mostly the Titan theme, um, although it has little snippets of of um, of the the motion picture theme. But it's mostly the Titan theme, but it's very much in built into the the, the way James Horner would orchestrate it. Uh, and and the, the biggest, the biggest, I, like inadvertently, the biggest compliment that one or two of the reviews have been like, oh, it, you know, they're just using like James Horner in that sequence, and I'm like, well, there's about ten seconds of James Horner in that sequence, and the rest of it isn't actually, but it's meant to sound like. So it's sort of actually like rather a nice compliment. I was like, well, thanks. If you thought that was James Horner, I'm like, I did my job um, on that spot. So so yeah, it's great. So you mentioned that Voyager. You're a big fan of Voyager. Yeah. Uh, Blake, Emily, and I, I think, are unabashed DS9 fans. And now we can say... I love DS9. The DS9, well, it's Voyager and DS9 hold two equal but different places. Yeah, they're just different shows, right? Yeah. So um, um, we can say this now, and Blake and I have been, like, chewing our bottom lip for about a month. The, chain, the Changelings are back. And yes. we've referenced the Dominion War, and we get a reference to Odo, which uh, Rene Aubergenois oh, is, is one of my yeah. favorite actors in general. And Odo is one of my favorite characters. So I don't know if you can tell me anything uh, on this recording. 
but we're gonna get some more ds9 stuff right right well i, I think <laughs> in terms I of think, themes <laughs> i think you could look at it and sort of like infer quite reasonably that there's a quite a strong possibility that it might talk about some of that and i think there's you know i you know clearly clearly we've set up the changelings as as important so uh so 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 yeah i mean obviously the the cbs snipers are probably a person i've already said the, the overseers are watching right now but <laughs> but i mean i mean but logically you know obviously it isn't just a flash in the pan moment that we're going to forget about in the next episode uh kind of thing so um but i mean i think i think there's also there is a thing where you could easily sort of take also sort of inference from quite reasonably is that the the i mean Terry especially has a sort of encyclopedic working knowledge of track um, to the point where, you know, he he can pretty much, I mean, I can pretty much play him any bit of music from any bit of track, certainly Berman era track, certainly and I think before, and he'll tell you virtually instantly what it is. Um, to the point where he and he also, I mean, he's always he's been he's he's kind of he's almost like savant with music. It's kind of like unlike any other director I've ever worked with. So he I mean, you could play him any piece of music from 12 Monkeys and he'll tell you not only what episode it was first in, but when it was reused and when it, a version of it was reused and what episodes and what scene in what episode. I mean, it's walk, like to walking dictionary of his of the music in his own show. And so, you know, I, it's there's there's a there's a, a love and a respect for the for the um, for, for the legacy there that mm -hmm. would not allow for just a simple sort of, you know, kind of momentary like, oh, I changed things well. Uh, it's, you know, there's 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 a deep, a deeper thing there. But what's really cool about it is like, I mean, I remember when I read the scripts for it the first time and it's like nobody, I mean, I've I've enjoyed reading around online seeing if anyone, you know, because you wonder if anyone's going to guess it. You wonder if it's going to sort of even piece pieces of it together. And I, 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 I haven't really seen anyone even get ten percent of the way of the thing that he came up with. That's the sort of the the, the core of it. And well, it's multiple cores of it, but it's like the the real core of it. And that that I think people. I mean, I remember when I saw it on the page, I was sort of you know, audibly like, "What the fuck?" Um, it's there's there's enough. There's there's at least two or three of those coming up, at least maybe more. I mean, it sort of depends on it depends on one of those 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 things of you know. I mean, my my biggest issue with it, you know, not when we were making it, was I saw episode four, and sort of watched the episode four, and I was like, this would be a perfectly good season finale in my shows, and I was like, okay, what are you going to? Oh, is this going to dip off, or is this going to have a a little sort of season five, you know, episode five through seven fetch and carry side quest kind of thing going on, and then we'll get back into the story, or is like, is this going to just keep going? Um, and that's actually, I mean, one of the 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 craziest things was like we you know we at the very beginning of the show we, we we sort of set out to do something which is insane in television which was to score every minute of every minute of music completely fresh not use because a lot of shows they'll do um tracking um so they'll reuse a piece of music from one scene and another scene um and that uh that you know, obviously that reduces the number of minutes of music you have to write. And maybe on some shows, it's like there's pieces of music that you can just drop in anywhere and they work. So um, that that was that was a daunting thing, because ultimately, at the end of the day, if you look at all the minutes of music we wrote back to back, I think it's something like seven and a half hours. And so we actually got to the end of episode six and 
you know terry and i sort of came to the same realization at the moment was which was like because i'd been working for like two and a half months three months and have written nearly written and recorded nearly five hours of music and i was just dead i mean i was just absolutely like fried and then i'm looking at sort of you know we were started watching like you know the rough cut of episode 10 and i'm just like i'm like this is a movie this is you know this is on its own on its own right it's a movie and it's you know 20 minutes longer than any other you know anything else that's in the season i'm like christ this is how am i going to do this and so actually very 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 sort of carefully we sort of we were looking through the temp of episode nine i think it was and then there was a lot of um freddie reedman's music was in the temp we were using stuff from a, a movie called operation rainfall as, as temp track and um uh, and we kind of came to the same realization. We were like, should we just call him and <laughs> see if he's free? Um, because it was either that or sort of, you know, and that was, the, you know, the thing we, a lot of it was done on, on you're, you're on TV schedules. So, you know, you, you, there's the, the pace of, you know, virtually one sound mix finishes and the next one starts. So you're just having to crank the stuff out. And we but were like, well, either we just do a lot of tracking or we stay true to the original vision and just get an extra pair of hands to help us over the finish line. So Freddie very kindly came on and um, helped out with two episodes, um, did a killer job with the, the and, you know, to, and actually then also took some of the themes and took them off in different directions. And that was really cool as well. So particularly in episode seven, actually, which is, uh, you know, it takes a, takes a certain departure, sort of there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's lots of things in there that are somewhat different deliberately. Um, so that was that was great. Um, and that also then allowed me to focus on the thing that I really wanted to make sure we did, which was land the last 30 minutes. The last 30 minutes was like, I'm like, if we don't stick this landing, this is all, this, it does, doesn't really matter. It's like, you can set everything else up and you, if you don't hit that, I mean, and the nice thing is, is to, the thing that Terry is great at is sticking landings. Um, and, you know, with season four, 12 monkeys and with, you know, everything he's, he was, he's a writer that really knows how to write an ending and finish out how to sort of take all these disparate threads and actually bring them to somewhere and sort of give you this feeling of pushing towards something um, as opposed to, you know, they're, they're, and you know, it's, it's, it's a tough skill. I don't, there are many writers who can do it where it's like, you know, there's, there's so many open ideas and just taste stopping and then saying, okay, you're right. How are we going to get here to that end point? And the, the sort of inevitable feeling about inevitability of it. So, yeah. Well, and I think one thing now I'm also thinking about, you know, a Star Trek name that tune, by the way, that that's crossing through my head, Scott, just keep that in mind. But Watching this season so far, one of the things, and I've commented with Scott that has been, is it's very apparent that this is fans making this show. And and I hate to call it a fan film because it's absolutely not, but but in a way it is. I mean, it, we've got people that yeah. you can tell have a respect for the legacy, have a respect for the franchise. And it, it's been great watching this, honestly. I mean, the work, it, the music in it has evoked a lot of those feelings that, you know, had watching the other uh, entries into the franchise and it and it's bringing it all back but it's doing it in a new way so that that's just been fantastic watching this yeah i mean you know it's really interesting that you know I, uh, you know we we both read 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 a lot online and read you know the the the, the positive and the negative you know it's and interesting and i think you know it's 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 funny how you know i've learning recently that that there's there's different definite definitely different differing sorry like definitely differing versions of what a member berry is then this idea of sort of like well you know i saw one person go oh yeah well they called they called the forge's daughter sydney and alondra you know that's a member berry i'm like yeah but 
that's their names. Like, like if, you know, why would we have changed the name of you know LaForge's daughters? It's like that's that's obviously obviously going to be this you know you know he's going to have a daughter in the show you're obviously going to call her sydney like like what 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 other you know it wouldn't make sense to do that otherwise so so i think there's one of those ones where you know uh it, it's a really interesting equation and, and i think one of the reasons is is because there has been a lot of a lot of times where People have been burned, I think, in a sense, by various shows. I mean, I'm not naming shows that I think I've been burned, but there's definitely shows I've watched where I'm like, sort of, I just like, okay, yeah, you just brought that back because, you know, where it isn't done with sort of reverence and uh, and appreciation, it's just sort of like, oh, you know, look look back through the show Bible and go, oh, shit, we got, we got someone called that. Let's bring that back. Uh, but, you know, there, there's there's so much, I mean, the, the, the level of detail that they went to um in terms of looking back through things is massive but it was never done with anything other than sort of like what would the what would this be in reality you know like when Picard's sitting in his chateau and like there's the various things there you know they all make sense because they're all things that were important so you know you look around anyone's house who's age 70 mm -hmm. 80, you know they're gonna have things in their house that mean things to them um, and why wouldn't they? Why would it be? It wouldn't be otherwise. You know, you wouldn't just have some random sort of, you know, you know, tap from William Sonoma or something sitting on the, on the shelf or something. Just yeah, you know, you'd have things that was like a gift from a grandparent or a gift. That, and these things mean things. And so, and I think that that it's 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 all about really the the attitude into the way one goes about it and the way one says like, what are we going to bring back and why? Um, and so thematically and with the music, we were very much looking at these things and saying, well. You know what do they mean? Like what what is the the bigger context? And and the the funniest part of it is there's a lot of them I've seen. I think are, are things that people are going to find get resolved. Um, and people saying, oh well, Ed Spillers has got a, a British accent. Why is that? Well, um, oh well, it's explained. It's like it's explained in episode three. It's like there's a perfectly good rational, reasonable explanation for it. Um, and it's sort of and people are like, oh well, maybe you know maybe it's genetic. And you're like, well no, they they, they thought it through and. Uh, and that that's very much true of the, the the changelings as well you know through, through of the those plot lines very much a lot of thought went into it and they had a you know a good amount of time to really actually sit back and go you know what are we playing with and we had this with you know funny enough Gordy and I had it with some Jedi Fallen Order with Star Wars it's like one of the biggest themes is one of the things you don't want to do is you you don't want to just put the force theme everywhere because it sort of becomes like the wallpaper on a kid's bedroom. It's like, it's like, hey, you know what? We the music does not need to sit there the entire time telling you, hey, this is a Star Wars movie, this is a Star Wars game, or this is a Star Trek movie or a Star Trek TV show. That's not its purpose. But by the same token, withholding and not using those sort of precious gems, then then it almost sort of ends up being like disrespectful in its own way. So, so yeah, you know, it's you just it's I think it's just understanding the motivation behind behind why those things were used and what they really mean, and the bigger equation and sort of really stepping back and then saying, okay, well, you know, how can we use this and sort of do? And a lot of the time we were talking about like what would a Jerry have done with this or what would James have done with this? Um, and you know, interestingly, you know, I mean, there's there's you know, you look at Jerry scores in particular, he was using. I mean, there's a couple of things that are sort of actually now sound kind of dated in a way by virtue of the fact that they just come out like the like some of the the Korg M50 sounds or like the you know he he loved this thing called the Lind drum which is a drum machine which now you put down and it sounds like something out of you know kind of it sounds very 1980s because of the nature of what it was but um 
but it, it has quality to it and the sound. So, so we, I think we looked at a lot of the things that were available to us today and said like, well, what would they have done with that? Um, if they'd had that available to them kind of thing. So. I'm yeah. glad you brought up the nostalgic factor of this too. This is one of the things that Blake and I had a conversation because him and I were watching these together, you know, two hours away, but watching these things together um, as we went. And there is a scene in episode four, which I can't talk about yet, but it was the first time I was like, oh, this is a plot hole. This is actually annoying the crap out of me. And within 30 seconds of me thinking as a, a nerd fan, this is a stupid thing, they answer it. And they say, here's why. I'm just like, yeah. God, <laughs> you even knew yeah. when I was going to get annoyed and you fixed it. I'm like, I love you people. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, there's one, there's one scene in episode six. No, maybe some five. And one of the, there's one sequence, there's a visual effect shot. And there was a mistake in the visual effect shot. Just a tiny, a, a tiny but critical mistake. It was one of those things where it's like on screen for like eight frames, 10 frames. And Terry literally, we were, and no one had spotted it. It was very, very subtle, very subtle. Like to the point where he, I had to have a point. He pointed, he said, we got to go back to this frame. And we were like, why? It's like, and then he plays, he's like, just play the, play the shot. And we're like watching it. Like, and then he's like, and then he points it out. And we were like, oh, Oh no, that's not good. And they went back and redid the visual effects shot. They actually had to change it because it was just it was just such an important detail. Um, and it was the, that kind of thing. I mean, that sort of and that, I mean, I think one of the nicest things was that we really got the support from CBS in terms of that, and in terms of you know, like being able to say there are there are things we're going to do here because they matter, and they matter to it doesn't it, and it, even if it's a relatively small number of viewers who would get it and spot it. It matters. Um, matters for the legacy. It matters for the for for what this means. And I think you know that there's and there was a very much a sense as we went through. Certainly went through post production of like this is a special one. And like you know you know you're treating it with with you know it's like very very precious. And um, uh, you know my my biggest thing of like yeah literally as I said earlier it was like my biggest thing when I watched the first episode was like I was like oh shit I have to not fuck this up because this was you know you just even watching it with a temp track I was like. Pfft. This is this is great. You could pretty much ship this um, today. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you're talking about certain things in episode five. I kind of I I think I know what you're talking about. And again, as I just said, the, there's a scene in episode six that will blow people's minds. When we get to episode five, it is just. I, I need to shut up before I say something I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah i mean that one i mean i think is the emotional gut punch as well and that's the thing is like you know and that was that was that was the point at which i knew that they, 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 they they'd got it actually because i watched the end of four and was like well that's a great finale like is this episode 10 i mean that's lovely if you can finish that night that, that's a nice movie and then was like i was almost a little nervous going into five and i i, I had only what read the script i deliberately only read the scripts through the first four because i didn't want to know um, I wanted to be able to actually like, get the experience of, you know, because we get, you know, the when they do the rough cuts, it comes up on pics on our, our internal picture sharing thing. And, you you, uh, you know, a new cut shows up and a new episode will show up and you'd be like, oh, I can watch it. And I just I wanted to be able to actually get the experience of watching it completely fresh before seeing it a million times and knowing every single shot back to back. Um, and yeah, definitely episode five, I went into with trepidation of like, is this is this going you know because so many seasons so many shows do do that of like getting to episode five and going going kind of 
you know, kind of quiet for a bit. And that's, there's good reasons be behind that about the way TV is made now. That I mean, that's very much a thing. And so then watching episode five and what happens in episode five happens. And I'm like, okay, at this point, that was the point at which I knew they'd got it. I knew they'd, they'd nailed it. Um, and I, I think I came to set for the first time. I think they were on episode seven or eight. So they were already past that. And, um, you know, it was just, yeah, it was just really nice to see that and just know, know that. And that was the point I knew at that point that they were going to stick the landing. Um, but, um, but yeah, five's a, five's a big one um, emotionally. Um, yeah. Again, we've only seen the episode six, but four, five, and six are single episodes that do different things as you're pointing out it's another thing I, did, I like about it is it's not like the same like okay we're stuck in this one storyline for seven eight nine episodes things move yeah but uh, god fans heads are going to explode man i'm telling you yeah they're going to explode yeah and so, uh, particularly uh, and you know what's nice about four as well is particularly you know with with it being frakes's second episode and I, it's it, it's 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 so hits so many of the things where I think there's been people, a few people I've seen saying, well, like, well, well, where's this? Where's that? This, this vibe or this feeling, where's that? And, you know, towards the end, it, it, it really goes there. And you're like that. I mean, that's, I think one of the things where, you know, that's the, you get the whole picture, you get the whole package of what, what next gen meant. And, you know, and obviously I, I don't know whether, in the sense of the way next gen was made of the sort of you know kind of story of the week um and and these individual episodes sometimes where something momentous happened and then is never spoken of again um and that's part of the charm of it <laughs> you know i mean what is it the 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 is it the, the i forget what the name of the alien the, the you know the big floating um head on the in the in, is in season one isn't it um where the you know they go to the center of the galaxy and, and get knowledge that's sort of going to keep the scholars busy for, for for thousands of years and then it's never spoken of again <laughs> Um, but that's part of the charm. But I think that sort of that sort of exploration aspect of it is is you, you know that the, it, the all of those vibes are there. Um, you know, maybe maybe you haven't seen them yet, but they're there, um, and that's the really nice thing. I mean, it's just it's it, it hits all those themes, so that's great. So, Stephen, we're going to wrap up here because uh, it's getting late where you're in Ireland. But is there any projects that you have coming out that you just want to, you know, chat about real quick that you are working on now or already in the yeah. Camp? Um, well, I'm doing. I've, it's funny. I've got a few things on the go at the moment. I'm working on the. I'm going to Nashville next week to record this. Uh, the score for this this fantastic Korean game called the First First Descendant. Um, and, uh, so that's, we're, we're recording a couple of hours of music for that. Um, that's sort of starting next weekend. Um, and that's a terrific thing. But then the big one at the end of April is, is the other, the other star is the, the star, Star Wars, um, Jedi Survivor, um, which Gordy and I finished, you know, actually quite a while ago last year. I mean, so the, most of my last year was literally the two together was, um, you know, Jedi Survivor and, um, Picard. So it was sort of, you know, kind of, kind of the, kind of both at the same time, which was, you know, actually, actually, really fun because for me, it really told it really taught me about the differences between them. Uh, actually, like they're they're so different in, in musical sense, um, uh, and that was actually great because I mean, with the you know the concern I sort of had like when I was going into last year was sort of like, well, I've got to do these two things next to each other. Um, is it going to? And actually, to be honest, it's like that that the they're such different animals, um, and I, I really learned a lot about the sort of the differing emotions and themes thematic ideas and and really just the sort of sort of idea behind the music on both of them of how different they are really are even though you know the sort of people you know the two big two great 
sci-fi franchises. Um, so, um, well, two of the great sci-fi franchises there are, but other great sci-fi franchises. But um, so, so yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I've got a couple of films I'm working on this year, and uh, uh, a couple of other things that are that are sort of in the works at the moment. So, but um, but those those are the big ones at the moment. So. That's awesome. I, I told Terry this when I was chatting with him. Uh, is all of us are about the same age. We all grew up, as you mentioned, really, really young when TNG came out. Uh, I grew up watching VHS copies and Betamax copies of hey. old Star Trek movies and my dad had recorded off HBO. Um, so my, my, one of my earliest memories is sitting on my parents' couch. I had a, a magnet uh, drawing thing that I drew the schematic of the Enterprise on. And when I watched TNG episodes, I would play with it like I was on the bridge. I was a nerd. So yeah. I'm, I'm telling you this is you, you said a couple of times, I hope I don't fuck up. <laughs> you, you did not fuck up. This oh, okay. is, this is an amazing season of show. Um, it is a great story, at least what we've seen. And I, I've heard other people say that uh, episodes nine and 10 are basically a movie. So I'm excited. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, you have, you guys have knocked it out of the park. You and the rest of the cast and crew, just everything is just, it, it, it is what we as, at least I'm speaking for myself here, but it's what I as a fan have really wanted to see for a very long time. And just thank you for that. Thank you for the oh. hard work you guys put in. Uh, and it's been amazing. Oh, a well, pleasure. And yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a thousand percent, I think, where what we feel about it. I mean, it's like, it's, it's very much the, it's the show we wanted to see. And it's like one of those ones where sort of if, if you know, what Terry's made, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it's something that when the first time I saw it, I was I, I said virtually the same thing to him in Rough Cut. I was like, I was like, look, this is this is what I this is what I wanted, um, and you know that's there's um, Trek has perpetually been something where there's 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 many different flavors of it and different 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 versions, and that's great. I mean, there's nothing. I think that's that's absolutely the you know. I mean, when Next Gen came out, people there were plenty of people who were naysayers about the Next Gen series. Um, you know, I think even Roddenberry was like fairly fairly vocal about aspects of it that he didn't you know he, you know particularly i think even patrick stewart at the premiere said you know gene Roddenberry wasn't not especially enamored of him in casting um and you know and so there's there's obviously always different interpretations but uh but you know this for i think for a large subset a large group of people this the, this this needed to be done um and to be able to get to be part of it getting made and and um and being allowed to sort of play with these, these, with with these with these incredible precious gems. I mean, and then the sort of being entrusted with them for for you know um, you know if 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 I never do any track again after all, I'll be very happy with what we did here. It's like it just it's it's something that gives us I think great pleasure to watch even you know and watch people reacting to. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'd like to reiterate what Scott said. Like, I will admit when I saw Picard season one, I was like, I don't know about this. I'm not sold. And then Scott was like, no, you got to get up to season three. I was like, fine. So I watched season two and I was like, okay, it's better. The intro to season three, it had me. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's the music, the just everything about that initial intro. I was like, this finally feels right. This is, that was the feeling I didn't feel in seasons one and two. So thank you. You definitely did not fuck it up at all. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I and funny, I haven't seen I actually haven't seen season two. Um and because they shot them back to back, I uh I I was um 
sort of doing a re revision rewatch of various things and Terry gave me a list of he's like you you should go watch these he's like like I don't want you to worry about this don't worry about the previous seasons this is what I'm trying to do go watch rewatch Rotha Khan rewatch Search for Spark um here's some next gen episodes that are you know important and so you know I think it was uh it, it for me it was just it was very much a sort of of the freedom to be able to say okay well you know we're, we're starting starting from a new place here but a new place that's going to be informed by this this incredible legacy um and really going back and looking at that sort of why does this legacy work why does it have the power that it does over so many people and the and the not and the not you know nostalgia which i think is is never a bad thing um you know necessarily and it's like one of those things which you know you have to use it correctly um, but uh, but being able to go back through that and sort of you know relive relive moments certainly from the, you know my childhood certainly I mean of like big big moments that sort of you know I, and the funny thing was I remembered all of them you know watching them back I'm like I I find you know these are things I hadn't watched since I was for a while probably some of them I hadn't watched since I was six or seven and could remember scenes like shot for shot almost and not because of having really studied them but because they were just so well made. And so well done and saying okay well why is that i mean that was just the it was just a great experience and and i just want to close out here on mine and say again thank you for taking the time to talk with us but also you know you mentioned that if you never get to do any more star trek and the one thing i will say is i i really do hope that we get to see you and terry metallis do more of this because it has been fantastic and i will be there for anything else you guys do Oh, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, you know, and, uh, the, you know, what's, what's really fun. And, you know, I said it a few times and said it sort of publicly is like the, 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 you know, Terry responded to someone the other day on Twitter said like, you know, they, they made a joking thing and Terry was like, I have ideas. And the funniest <laughs> thing is I'll, I'll happily tell you they have so many ideas. Um, and, and just even being able to sit for a while and sort of, you know, kind of like pick his brains about like, you know, where things could go and what things we didn't do. Because obviously there's, you know, there's 10, 10 hours of TV here um, and it's a finite quantity and there's things they had to not do and things they, they the directions they could have gone in on the show. Um, and, you know, he has ideas. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see, see some of those come to fruition because uh, he's, it's, it comes from a you know a place of a great deal of love for 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 what came before and also you know the, the idea of what we could do do and do in the future with it so so yeah we'll see you know it's a it's a it's a, it's a very it's a very unknown landscape and it's you know there's you know um uh marina said this the other day and like i think she was like on thing which said it's like it, it you know at the end of the day it showed business and you know there is a business side of it and so you know if the equations work then that's what usually drives it at the end of the day but um but I've yeah, sincere hope that there there is that there's something the next the next chapter of this because it'd be great. Speaking of equations and making the business work, your score for season three is coming out sooner or later. Uh, it so is yes. Um, we're we're on the final thing of just figuring out exactly which day it is, but it's imminent. Um, and it's largely down to not wanting to give certain things away um, because they will be on Twitter without hashtags and people will throw things at the screen and be very cross. Um, and so, uh, and it was even ones where it was just a musical thing and it wasn't even a track title, uh, you know, and everyone, you know, Qui-Gon's noble end. Uh, <laughs> Terry and I <laughs> talked about that and we were like, yep, yeah, we cannot do this. Um, but then this whole 
there's there's several whole major things that people I think could quite quickly figure out if they depending on how encyclopedic their knowledge of the music is. Um, so so you know we went back and forth on it because our original idea was to put it out sort of overture style before the season came out, and then we just kind of sat around talking about it, going, oh goodness me, um, you know, do we want to do this? And I think at the end of the day where we came back to is integrity of story um, and integrity of experience of the story for for people who are coming to it for the first time and there's there's things that i would have been very cross if i oh actually to be honest if i'd read the script on them and then i i, I would have been like wow on the script and then been when i seen it on the screen been like ah, i know what's coming um so you know there's there's at least three of those that i'm like yeah um so so i think i think that's probably what we're going to time it for around roughly around when the finale drops sometime around then um and it will be coming out on vinyl as well so um so that they'll it will will you know the one thing terry's music really matters to him so that's something we're very much going to do do properly we're going to do that right well maybe we can get you back and you can walk us through the tracks once we all know what happens <laughs> i could tell you which bits i was worried about <laughs> well and i they're, they're, they're pretty obvious but well, i've told terry this and so if you want to call him up and tell him put blake emily and me out of our misery and just <laughs> send us the last four episodes just, just send them. we'll be good we've been quiet we've been good just help us out don't make me wait I, another two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 the, C, the CBS powers that be are like it's an interesting. You know, it's like it's really funny, like uh, watching how the, those equations work. But then also watching, it's it's a very different change landscape. I mean, we used to be like with broadcasting, you, you knew exactly what it was going to be, and it was like, bah, 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 you know. But obviously now streaming is like it's it's wild wild west in terms of what what can be done, um, and so. I mean, the agonizing thing for me is waiting to wait to waiting a week to see people's reactions. <laughs> like waiting, waiting this week is going to be really hard. Waiting till season episode four drops because because that's a big cliffhanger at the end of three, and uh, and uh, you know four is a good one. So yeah, I, I, it's going to be agony I, this week. The next three that we've seen are seriously bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I'll finish off just by saying, uh, I've said this before. You all have truly made the undiscovered country that TNG never got. And that as a, uh, if you're a TNG fan and you are not getting on Picard season three, you are missing out. I've seen a lot of people online saying, well, I wasn't a big fan of one and two, so I'm just gonna wait. No, you need to get on season three. And for one, we need to show Paramount CBS that we want this stuff. And so you need to get on that. So Stephen, thank you so much. We really appreciate you staying late in the night for us to uh, uh, have this conversation. I uh, love to chat with you again. I also, uh, our front row folks have a lot of gaming fans who I think would love to talk to you about all of your work there too. So um, stay in touch. We really appreciate it. And we'll let you uh, roll out and finish anything, you know, uh, say anything you want to say as we close out. Oh, well, thank you. Well, yeah, absolutely. I just to echo that. I mean, I think if, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're holding out, it's like, I think this, if, 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 if you like uh, complex storylines brought to a really satisfying conclusion at the end of the day, whatever it is, this, this is for you, really it is. Um, and, you know, I think it's one of those ones where if you know people give it give it i mean you're you're, you're going to enjoy where this goes um it's it's i i would never have guessed it in a million years when i first saw it and i've not seen anyone successfully guess it yet so uh it's it's good 
it's really good. And it's one of those ones where, you know, everyone says everything they're working on. Oh, it's great. No, this one, this one genuinely, <laughs> genuinely is really good. Um, we're, we're incredibly proud of it. So um, and we thank everyone for sort of, you know, taking the time to watch it and, 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 and hopefully enjoying it. Thank you so much, sir. We appreciate it. And uh, uh, keep up the good work, man. Awesome. Thank you.